Welcome to A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk with Rev. Jennifer Hadley. Get ready to focus on your intent to be the love, be the peace through practical application. Here is your host, Rev. Jennifer Hadley. Bonjour, bonjour, bonjour. <laughs> I'm so happy to join with you. I truly, truly am. And uh, I'm excited for our show today. Uh, I have a wonderful guest I've really been looking forward to having. And um, uh, it's been uh I'm trying actually to reach her now on the phone, and uh, we've been having trouble getting her, so it may we may have a little uh, bit of an odd thing here as we're joining. Hello. Hi, Karen. <laughs> Hello, Jennifer. I'm so sorry. I we're don't know live what on happened. the radio right now. So, okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm just beginning the episode, so we're just going to go right into it. Hang on a second. I'm introducing everybody okay. here. So we're okay. great. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. So just give give me a minute here. We're going to uh, proceed. Uh, this is live radio, so sometimes people wonder, do is it all pre-recorded? We're live here. So we're we're making it up as we go along, and Spirit is guiding us all the way. It's all good. And so I'm going to just invite everyone to take a breath and place their hand on their heart, as we always do, starting every episode with a prayer and a blessing. So grateful and thankful to attune to the highest vibration of love. So grateful and thankful that our hearts are open and our minds are free. So grateful and so thankful that we are partnering up with the higher Holy Spirit self right now. This is the time right now we're saying yes to our holiness. We're saying yes to our healing. We're saying yes to relinquishing all the causes of illness and dysfunction and depression and every other thing that no longer serves our life of love. We are grateful and thankful to allow the healing to occur. We are in complete and total gratitude for our healing and we share the benefits with everyone because we're one with them. In gratitude, we let it be, and so it is. Amen. Amen, amen. Yes. So, <laughs> so uh, just starting out here, I was hoping to have a few minutes to talk with Karen Jay before we began our dialogue here in the radio broadcast so we're just we're we're gonna do the do just start and here we go <laughs> so first i'd like to introduce you as uh I, I was invited by you to come to the uk uh this past spring and to speak at the uk course of miracles conference that you folks put on every year i know ian patrick has been i think he started well over 30 years ago, and uh, it was a wonderful time, and I, I could spend a lot of time on that, but I'm not, because I really would like to have the whole time to speak with you and to have you actually sharing with us. So for the listeners, Karen J blew me away with her story of her experience of healing, of illness, of transformation, of resurrection, and I think you'll be so inspired and blown away too. So, Garen Jay, if you don't mind, I'd just like to uh, begin by asking you, in a sense, it started for you when you became ill, but what was going on in your life before then, like wh where were you and what, what year, how long ago was this? Okay. Thank you, Jennifer. I think it's perhaps helpful to start, uh, in my mid thirties. I'm now 61. So we're going back a little bit. And, uh, I left my Catholic upbringing behind 
and I was a new age speaker, exploring all kinds of exciting new ideas and new ways of looking at things. And in the middle of this wonderful explosion of new things, a phrase found me from the Bible, something I recognized from childhood. And the phrase was, whatsoever I have done, you will do and more so. And in that instant, I knew there was Jesus. I knew what he was saying was true. And I had absolutely no idea how it could be true. As a single parent struggling in, in many ways, it just didn't make sense. And yet I knew it was true. So deep inside of me chose to know the truth of that. And I said to Jesus in my mind, who I hadn't talked to before, really, at all, uh, I said, you show me. You, you tell me this, and, or you tell all of us this, and I want to know how that is true. And something changed in that moment. I think my life shifted here, and nothing seemed to be helpful um, for me understanding the truth of this for a little while. I, I was not that well. Um, as I said, I was struggling. And then in my mid-40s, uh, one day, uh, I just couldn't stand up. It was 10 o'clock in the morning, and I had to lie down. And that was the first day of six years of lying down. I had no idea, of course, at the time that that was to, um, to follow. And on the physical side of things, I, I was bedridden for six years. Uh, the diagnosis was severe ME, so it was a, a collapse of systems. And for the first year, I could still see and speak and uh, was very, very upset in anguish, complete anguish about, about what had happened. But physical yeah, deterioration... Sorry, do you, want to, do you want to ask something? Yeah, I do, I do. So, first of all, for anyone who doesn't know what ME means, what is that? Uh, no, I, I don't have the, uh, the medical uh, terminology to hand. I, I never really wanted to know it. It's, it's, stand, it's M dot E, and uh, it stands for two very long Latin words, a medical term. But in layman's language... ME is a chronic fatigue uh, situation, illness. I don't quite know the medicals, uh, what causes it. It's an umbrella term that can cover somebody being just a little bit below par and lots of tiredness and weakness, but generally pottering around and getting on with their life. That's one end of the, the spectrum down to the, the other end of the, of the spectrum where I found myself um, and progressively so when it's uh, just about a complete collapse of systems. And I would see it as, uh, well, as everything is, as, as a, a spiritual condition. It's really uh, what's going on in the mind. But physically, it's... Uh, uh, it can be a very uh, severe, severe illness, and it certainly was for me. Now, before that, uh, that day that you woke up and you couldn't stand up, what was going on in your life? Where were you? What were you, you know, how were you feeling? What were you doing? You were, who were you living with? I was uh, living on my own, uh, um, no partner. My son was 16 when this happened. Um, I was working as a therapist and a healer and a group facilitator, uh, winding down the amount of, of work I could do because um, I was just below par and feeling stretched and not able to give as much as I had been able to to other people. I loved this work. I loved what I was doing. This is before the Course in Miracles. So uh, I still thought the world was real and that there was a self, little s, 
to be developed and to be healed. And I was enthusiastically engaged with that um, and in contact with uh, a sense of the divine. I did have an, an inner connection, uh, not as I now experience it or now see it, but nevertheless a strong um, orientation towards God. Right. So your son wasn't living with you at the time? Yes, he was living with me. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it was, it was the two of us. So you woke up that morning, you couldn't stand up. Were you in pain? No, I mean, I did get up, but by 10 o'clock in the morning, I just had to lie down. Just on the living room floor, I just ah. went down. And it wasn't painful. It was just uh, nothing was working as it normally does. Right. I, I just couldn't stand up. And uh, this was different. Uh, it was different from, oh, uh, yeah, I knew it wasn't a passing thing. Something in me knew it wasn't a passing thing. There was a, a, a deep knowing, not how long it would take, but there was a deep knowing something was not right from the human perspective. For sure, yeah, and and so <laughs> that that lying down stage lasted the next six years. Yeah, yes. Um, in the first year, I could I could just uh, walk about twenty steps once a day to the back garden when a friend would put a, like a, you know, a camp bed down for me so that I could lie outside in in the fresh air. And then 20 steps back, and that was my activity for the day. I had a pot next to me on, on the mattress on the floor. Um, and, and, you know, I would roll onto that and use it. But I didn't move apart from that. But I could still move my arms and talk to people and see. But that all changed. Uh, after a year, there was uh, a sudden deterioration. The friend who had been... Uh, coming in and, and emotionally supporting me was no longer able to do that. So I was totally under the care of social services. Um, and that was a big shock to the system. And within a couple of weeks, my friend not being able to um, do her part-time caring for me, I lost the ability to see and I lost the ability to speak. And I spent the next five years not being able to see and not being able to speak. And not being able to move except just rolling on the floor. That's right. Well, that, that can, I was able to do that. Um, I could feel my way to the pot. Um, but uh, with two and a half years to go, I lost the ability to do that as well. I was taken to the hospital for some tests and I was on high hospital bed and um, was, you know, was not able to roll onto my pot. And the ability to do that just went. So when I was returned home after about a week, I was then in nappies with diapers. So I was right. in diapers for two and a half years. Unable to, and, and, and my ability to use my arms was, was listening. So I could do no self-care. It was a case of waiting for the carers to come in, which they did four times a day. I had four calls a day, and they would change my nappy, um, which is a very sobering experience, I can say. <laughs> and then for the last year, year and a half, I, um, I was fed by a tube because the physical deterioration continued. And I wasn't eating very much at all. I just had no no stomach for yeah. it. You know, everything was just, yeah. just winding down, closing down. And mm. it got to the stage when I was close to organ failure. And the doctors who did visit me periodically and scratched their head and didn't know what to do really, um, said that unless I went into hospital and voluntarily to be fitted with a, a tube uh, to be fed through my stomach, if I didn't voluntarily do that they would um, section me under the mental health act because I was so close to to, to going um, that they didn't uh, see it as safe not to have that procedure done and my communication was a a click a 
for yes and a for no. I could still just about do that. So I, I clicked for yes and uh, was taken into hospital for six weeks to be fitted with this tube and, and various rigmaroles gone through and then returned home. Um, and yeah, so the last year and a half was almost no physical movement in diapers, uh, being fed by a tube, not seeing, not speaking. And uh, the only way that I managed to come through this was right at the beginning, knowing that all was not right from the human perspective, was joining with the holy purpose of the episode. In my mind, I said to God, okay, this does not feel perfect at all, but it must be perfect because it's happening. There has to be good in this, and I want to know what it is. So you jolly well show me the perfection in this. And again, like with the Jesus thing, it came from deep inside. I wanted to know the truth of it. And, and, and when, when did that... When did you move into that mindset? Well, that was right. That was within a few hours when I realized that, that I wasn't going to get day. up. That first day. Mm-hmm. I, I moved into that mindset, and I can't pretend I stayed with it uh, completely throughout. <laughs> it really put me to some very, very dark places in my mind. Because with normal life just stopping and receding, or then what we call the dark cornerstones of the ego were all too evident. It, it just brought rushing to the surface the terrible chaos and agony and confusion of the ego thought system. So I was awash with ego storms a lot of the time. Um, but something allowed me sufficient connection with God, with spirit, to withstand those ego storms. I wasn't completely swept away with them, uh, which was absolute mercy and blessing. Um, so, yeah, having set the intention, now, now as, a, you know, as a core student and a course teacher, I can see the power of that. I set the intention of holy purpose, not that I would have called it those words at that time. And so something had set the goal and the Holy Spirit allowed me to reach that goal. And and it didn't mean that I was in peace (laughs) throughout at all. But I didn't didn't cave in. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I I, I think... Hardly anybody who's listening can uh, really imagine what you went through. I, I do know a number of people who've been in extremely debilitating situations for a long time, as you were. Um, do you? Would you give us some idea of the dark places that you went to? Yes. Um, sometimes it was a uh, a kind of abstract, rolling black sea of of horribleness. It was it, it felt like tidal waves of, of black sea washing through me, and I had to choose not to be swept away with them. So that was the experience. Just let them go. Let them wash through mm-hmm. the system. But mm-hmm. don't go with them. That was the kind of message in my mind. And and somehow I, I, I wasn't completely swept away. Other times it was much more specific and uh, story orientated. What we might call past dreams or past lives came to the surface in my mind. So there were many visions of being headed, of being hanged, lots around my throat, lots of attack um, to my 
throat, neck area. Guillotines. I reckon I was guillotined in the French Revolution. <laughs> um, so terrifying, terrifying episodes of, of feeling like, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm about to be guillotined, beheaded, hanged. Um, another episode was being dragged behind a horse, um, some rope, and, and perhaps tied by my ankle, perhaps, and just, just dragged until I died. That was the method of, of dying. So it was very nasty, vicious uh, endings of life that were coming to the surface. Um, yeah, sometimes it was just bodily yuck, just bodily feeling so horrible and uh, rage. Oh my goodness, the rage that that came through, apoplectic rage, <laughs> psychopathic rage. I totally understand why people take a machine gun out and, and take it into a school and just murder on everybody. Right. I'm not advocating it or, or supporting it, but I understand where it comes from because I have felt that level of rage where it is totally overwhelming and it's the mind trying to project out that level of attack. It's so abhorrent to our mm-hmm. natural mind mm-hmm. that it just has to try and get rid of it. And, and for some, for some brothers, the way they do it is is to you know physically attack uh, other bodies. And I, and I completely, and I've never done that myself, but I completely understand where it comes from. And it, I, I feel it's a tremendous gift for me to understand that and to have experienced it. Because I think it's at the root of all of us, um, and and we cover it and disguise it. Don't want to know it. And, oh my goodness! No wonder we, no wonder we don't. And and the blessing in this for me was I had um, all motivation. <laughs> you know, I, I wasn't going anywhere. I couldn't make a cup of tea. I couldn't go and see a friend. I couldn't go to work. I had to lie there and allow this to happen. Um, and, no, and so no, no breaks. Go, yeah. No breaks. There was there was no breaks. It was relentless. Like being um, in solitary confinement where you can't even move. Yes, yes. It was a solitary confinement. Although I had a couple of friends who did who did pop in uh, regularly and you know like once a week or so, and I had the carers. There was a huge amount of time when I was on my own with this mm-hmm. physically on my own mm-hmm. my son went to university mm-hmm. after the first two years so he was away a lot so it was mm. me and my split mind and and opening up to help to spirit help that was the nature of it and grief oh my goodness the tremendous grief about what yeah. I thought I lost I, yeah. I thought I had lost life Everything right. that I knew, the, the walking, talking, going to work, seeing friends, going, you know, all, all the things that we do, went. And I was in anguish about this. I didn't think it would ever come back. And uh, this was really, really hard to come to terms with. But on just before uh, my physical recovery started, it was on my 50th birthday. And, you know, I was, I was well aware in my mind. I was awake in my mind throughout. Um, so I, I was well aware it was my 50th birthday. And I had a, uh, a thought in my mind, of, uh, not a physical voice, but, but a, like a message in my mind. Uh, if this is life, um, like it is now, and it never changes, it never improves, this is just it. Um, and at the time, you know, in diapers, head by tube, only being able to shuffle very, very slowly about once an hour from one shoulder to the other shoulder. That, that was my activity, very slow, uh, tiny movements to shuffle around. That was it. Um, this, this, this voice said, so it's like this and it doesn't change. Will you accept your life? 
And uh, I said yes in my mind. There was there was a knowing because of this deprivation from what we physical life. I had found a different understanding of me and my life. I could feel I continued. My body had all but stopped. I, whatever that I is, it was continuing. And it was worth that continuance. I knew I wanted to say yes to that something that was still alive. I am going to uh, have us pause there. We're going to, we need to take a break here. And I am so grateful that you agree to come on the broadcast today and share this with you. So as we're going to break here, I'd just like to say gratitude to all the listeners as well. And remind you that you're listening to A Course in Miracles on Unity Online Radio. I'm Jennifer Hadley, and I'll be right back with Karen J. Gardner. Thank you for tuning in for A Course in Miracles. Living the love, walking the talk. Welcome back. I'm Jennifer Hadley. And before we go back to my beautiful guest, Karen J. Gardner, uh, I would like to bring something up. I am interested in soliciting your suggestions for radio show topics, things you'd like me to talk about, uh, questions that you might like to have me answer on the radio show. And I'm asking that if you have anything like that, that you email me at jennifer at jenniferhadley.com. Email me, jennifer at jenniferhadley.com. That comes direct to me, and I look forward to hearing from you. So, uh, again, we're talking with Karen J. Gardner, and she is telling us her extraordinary story of physical uh, illness and healing and transformation. And uh, going back to where we were, Karen J., I... I'm, I'm thinking that so many people in your situation would really go into feeling suicidal. I I know for me, uh, this might sound crazy, but sometimes when I've had, you know, just a really bad food poisoning or something, I've just thought, oh my God, I feel like I want to die. And of course, I don't actually want to <laughs> die, but... You feel like you just don't want to have the experience in the body anymore. You really are, mm. are like, get me out of here. So mm. when, and, and our ego is so dependent uh, for its validation in some way, shape, or form through interaction with other people, through uh, accomplishing things, because I have a, a number of people that I know that, don't feel very productive in their life because they've got very debilitating physical situations. And that is one Mm. of the most difficult things for the ego is to not feel productive. So, Mm. uh, because you know, that the ego is a meaning maker, right? So if, Mm. if we're not doing something, if we're not contributing, if if we don't have all of that going on, what meaning is there as far as the ego is concerned? Mm. There's no meaning. There's no mm. value. I'm just taking up space, right? So mm. did you have those kinds of thoughts? I certainly did feel suicidal at, at times, particularly at the beginning. And I thought, no one should have to go through this. Why am I going to go through this? And those were the, the thoughts that came to the surface. Uh, I just don't want to play this game. <laughs> and uh, later on, there were deeper feelings. I cannot do this another day. 
day in, day out, week in, week out, month in, month out, year in, year out, was the same. Or deteriorating, not getting any better. And so I just can't do this. And then I would watch it. I would just somehow find strength and spirit. I think we lost the connection with Karen J. So I am going to see if I can get her back. I I find that what she is sharing with us is so powerful and so just it's so like a mobile. Your call has been forwarded to an automated voice message system. Uh, try again. Uh, because what she's sharing is what we sometimes go through on a very small scale. She goes through, uh, went through on uh, the most complete, pervasive, uh, every cell, every function, every fiber, every aspect of her being challenged in this way. So sometimes we feel challenges in our day where we feel uh, well, life is not worth living, that we are worthless, that we're failing. Uh, we are so... Uh, We're so, sorry, my engineer's messaging me, trying to uh, figure out. Okay, so Louie, you're going to get her back, not me. That helps me to have that information. Um, uh, we get challenged so intensely, so deeply, and in our relationships, and we feel, I have talked with so many people over the years who felt that life wasn't worth living because they couldn't be with the person they wanted to be in relationship or because their loved one died. Totally understandable. I know some people, their pet dies and they don't want to go on. Totally understandable. I totally understand these things. And yet she found... And this is one of the things that's so amazing to me. Kieran Jay found that she wanted to continue to live, that there was some value, even though, think about it, she hasn't really described it the way I heard her talk about it in when I was with her in person, where, you know, this effort to... All she could do was she could roll her and get, manage to get onto uh, a pot to to pee in, to poop in, right? And then roll herself back. She had the use of her arms, and then she lost the use of her arms, right? So first she can't she can't do much of anything. She can't stand up. She's laying on the floor, and but she can talk and she can still see. So and she has the use of her arms. So presumably she could do various kinds of things, like uh, watch television, listen to audiobooks. Of course she could do that uh, when when uh, even when she lost the use of her arms, she could occupy her mind with other things, and that's what we want to do when life. Is unpleasant. We want to take our mind away from what we don't like. But Spirit arranged it for her. Remember, the script is already written and everything is helpful. That's the teaching of A Course in Miracles. Everything works together for our good and there are no exceptions. Right? So, are you willing in your life situation where you are, are you willing and available to see that everything in your life is working together for good because this went on for Karen to the point where she after a while she lost her eyesight 
then she lost the use of her arms. And then she couldn't speak anymore. She could only make clicking sounds like that. Like she said, you know, once for yes and twice for no, making that clicking sound. And so that made communication so, so limited. And uh, and then she's get, got a feeding tube, just really decreasing. But as she will share with us when we get her back, she had a healing in her mind through this experience. And I would venture to say that there aren't that many among us who would be willing to go through the kind of experience that Kieran Jay went through in order to come to the awareness that she has now. And I haven't asked her now, was it worth it? And maybe we would say, well, the ego has to say it's worth it. And fortunately, many of us don't remember how difficult and how painful uh, things in the body were once we've recovered. We can actually, that memory becomes fuzzy, and that's why people are able to have uh, multiple children. <laughs> Women are able to give birth to multiple children uh, because the memory of the pain and the difficulty of it fades. We don't hold on to it. Uh, fortunately, and we don't need to hold on to it, fortunately. So these are some of the questions that I have for her. And uh, I'm sorry it's taking such a long time to get her back. I don't know what's going on. Uh, but um, if, if we don't get her back today, we'll get her back on another episode. So A Course of Miracles tells us that sickness is a defense against the truth. And that's really tough for a lot of people who are feeling uh, sick. And many people who, I, I work with many people who are really challenged in the body and would like to experience healing. Course in Miracles says things like healing is very simple. It's really about will we accept the atonement for ourselves? Will we forgive everything? And one of the things that I noticed about my own mind is that for a long time I thought, well, I can just hold on to some of these grievances. You know, some of these grievances I feel are worth holding on to like gosh I couldn't let that go I, I know in the last few years I've talked with many people for instance I talked with someone recently who said to me Jennifer I don't I've never hated anyone in my whole life but I hate Donald Trump I hate him and I, I can understand that and uh, there are Many times when we have in our mind a justification for our resentment, for our regret, for something that we're holding against somebody, and that's it. We, we have justified it. We are justifying it. It is justified, justifiable in our mind. And many times we don't even have absolute clarity about that. We don't even realize what, what it is that we're sacrificing in order to hold on to that resentment. I'm hearing something there in my headset. Is she coming back? All right. I guess we're working on it. So, um, what I know is that we 
just have to be willing to be willing. Even that much will support us. So as we were going to the break, Kieran Jay was telling us that she realized. Hello. Oh, she's I'm back. back. Ah. <laughs> yep. No need to explain. These things happen. Working in yeah. an online world and with this radio show, sometimes things just go out and that's life and we roll with it. Okay. Yeah. So one of the things I'd like to, to, uh, ask you is related to what you were sharing Karen Jay right before the break where you were telling us basically uh, well <coughs> just before you dropped off you were telling us about feeling suicidal so I don't know if you shared everything that you wanted to share about that Okay, I think we've lost her. Well, live and learn. (laughs) I'm sure we're learning something on a technical side here. Okay. Hello. Oh, there she is again. (laughs) So, yeah, just take a breath and we're we're rolling with it. We've got uh, about eight minutes left here. So... You were talking before uh, before you dropped off about feeling suicidal. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering, uh, did you share everything you wanted to share about that? How, how? What were the tools that you found within yourself, Karen Jay, to navigate that that feeling of suicide that you didn't go down that road? Because you could have. Oh, so easily. I mean, as time went on, I physically couldn't have done anything. But the feelings were, I wish I could. I wish I could take a pill or or do something. Um, But I think that because it was so extreme, I was propelled into the present. As I was saying before, we lost connection. I was so far removed from normal life that actually was the blessing. I couldn't, I couldn't lift myself as the old person that that, that I was before this episode. I just felt I have to. Hmm. All right. What I'm going to suggest, since we just lost her again... Uh, and I have no control over that. That's life. We'll have her back next week, and we'll we'll figure out these technical difficulties, and uh, and I'll wrap up the show without her, so that we can just uh, stay focused on this topic of healing. I and I, I isn't it I. I I know you can't respond to me, but isn't it wonderful to have someone who has made this journey and can has come and can tell us about it and can tell give us help with it. So for anyone who is uh, struggling with illness and sickness, uh, I, I feel this is my guidance right now is to look at how are healing and atonement related. So this is the, the chapter in the manual for teachers. And, uh, it starts with a very simple sentence. Healing and atonement are not related. They are identical. They are identical. So what does that mean? What does the atonement mean? I accept the atonement for myself when I am willing to accept that there is no separation, was no separation, will be no separation, because separation is, in fact, 
impossible. If I intellectually accept that separation is impossible, then I must also be willing to let go of my belief in separation and the ways that I keep separation alive in my mind. So that's a baseline to healing. Uh, in I'm going to read a little bit of this uh, healing and how healing and atonement are related. It says, there is no order of difficulty in miracles because there are no degrees, right? Either you accept there's no separation or you don't. There's no middle ground. It says, it is the one complete concept possible in this world because it is the source of a holy union. Unified perception. Partial atonement is a meaningless idea. Just as special areas of hell in heaven are inconceivable. Accept atonement and you are healed. Atonement is the word of God. Accept God's word and what remains to make sickness possible. Nothing. Accept his word and every miracle has been accomplished. To forgive is to heal. The teacher of God has taken accepting the atonement for himself as his only function. That's it. What is there then he cannot heal? What miracle can be withheld from him? Now, I'm going to jump up, skip the next paragraph and where it says, that, that forgiveness is healing needs to be understood if the teacher of God is to make progress. The idea that a body can be sick is a central concept in the ego's thought system. This thought gives the body autonomy, separates it from the mind, and keeps the idea of attack inviolate. If the body could be sick, atonement would be impossible. A body that can order a mind to do as it sees fit could merely take the place of God and prove salvation is impossible. What then is left to heal? The body has become Lord of the mind. How could the mind be returned to the Holy Spirit unless the body is killed? And who would want salvation at such a price? So I'm just going to reiterate that logic there that... Uh, it seems like the body controls the mind at times, right? When we feel sick and then the mind starts thinking, oh, I hate this, this is horrible. Uh, I feel so horrible, I feel so horrible, I feel so horrible. That's when the body seems to be sick and to be influencing the mind. But that is not how it actually works. But we, we see and experience what we believe. So we believe we are a body. And so we believe that this is how it's experienced. But actually, it's at the level of the mind that we do our healing. He, he, and and the, the body we think is Lord of our mind, right? So if we're having body issues, think of people who have body dysmorphia. So they have a, a distorted view of their body and they're often looking for some kind of body perfection that's unattainable and to the point where they are... Um, just let's say terrified by the the amount of calories and breath mint that are going to make them fat. This kind of uh, they look at themselves and they might be the most incredibly beautiful fit person ever, but all they see is something is wrong. Something is not the ideal. As I've I've worked as a spiritual counselor with people who have body dysmorphia and 
it's um, it's definitely all about their beliefs. Now, in paragraph four of this, it says, certainly sickness does not appear to be a decision, nor would anyone actually believe he wants to be sick. Perhaps he can accept the idea in theory, but it is rarely, if ever, consistently applied to all specific forms of sickness, both in the individual's perception of himself and all others as well. So this is really challenging, and it's not happening to us. It is happening by us so that we will have a healing in the mind. Right? So we all have our paths of healing. We are firmly on them. Oh, my gosh. I am so excited to have Karen Jay come back. Let's see if she can come back next week. Uh, if not, very soon. And we will finish our conversation. Uh, I love this topic of healing. It is one of my favorite topics. This is, you might recall, how could you forget that Jesus, when he walked the earth, he... Uh, participated in many miraculous healings. And when people said, oh, Jesus, thank you for my healing, he would say to them, why thank me? Your faith made you whole. So this is the level of healing and transformation that is attainable for us, and we're going for it. Let's go for it by accepting the atonement for ourselves and being willing to recognize all the ways that we energize separation. You know, I'd really like to thank all the people who donate to Power of Love Ministry, which is uh, the ministry I founded uh, back in 2013 to support this uh, radio show and having the transcripts available and all the different things that we offer. So thank you to all those who donate, and especially those who donate on a regular basis and have recurring donations. Thank you, thank you. And thank you also for writing to me at jennifer at jenniferhadley.com and sending me your suggestions and your requests. Ah, oh, I am so grateful to take this breath and to pray together. So we bless Karen Jay, and we are grateful and thankful to claim a healing right here and right now. In gratitude, we share the benefits with everyone. We let it be, and so it is. Amen, amen, amen. I love you. Have a great rest of your week. Mwah.